0: Harvesting the botanical benefits of Dutch tulips, Kim van Huster founded Bloom Effects. For more on how she created the first ever brand to unearth skincare benefits from such a unique ingredient, stay with us. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Maine, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and some using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Kim Van Haster. She is the CEO and founder of BloomFX, an earth source skincare line uniquely formulated with the Dutch tulip. She was born and raised in Australia when Kim met her husband, Hein, a fourth-generation tulip farmer, and they discovered a way to naturally enrich the skin and create feel-to-face skincare. As one of the largest exporters of tulips, even supplying the British royal family with their flower bulbs, Kim's family has truly brought the rich culture of the Netherlands to not only the beauty industry, but the rest of the world. With Kim's years of experience in developing new and emerging beauty brands, she launched Bloom Effects in 2019, with every single dimension of the brand carefully reflecting the prestige of their hero ingredient. I cannot wait to sit down with her today and discuss the journey today. So, Kim... Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Akash, thanks for having me.
0: So I asked all my guests the same question. going to ask you who, in a nutshell, is Kim?
1: Wow, where do I start? Um, A little bit about me and then obviously how Bloom Effect started. I'm Chinese, Vietnamese by descent, born and raised in Melbourne, hence the accent. Um, And my parents came um, literally, you know, from the Vietnam War, refugees, and I'm the first in my generation to go to university. And I think that really put me in a good stead to have the grit and determination to always want to create my own business. Um, and I left Melbourne for my career in to go to New York. In New York, I loved the city. I really thrived. Um, you could say that I lived the sex in the city lifestyle a little bit. Um, I worked hard, play hard, and I um, I, I really did kind of climb the corporate ladder in um in terms of the beauty industry. And I loved that. That That was the reason why I was in New York. If you've got Aussie mates that are in New York, we're all about the same, like there to roll up our sleeves and get the job done. Um, but I had that sex in the city moment where Charlotte says, where is he already? I'm tired of dating. <laughs> so I actually went on um, an Aussie girls trip. And again, if you have Australian friends, you'll know we like to do Europe and we'll go to Europe for you know three or four weeks and, and do a big trip. Um, and on the very last night uh, at the very last location in Ibiza of all places, a nightclub called Pasha, which is not a classy yeah. nightclub, <laughs> well, but it's
0: fun. Everyone should go there. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I just randomly kissed a guy Um, And you don't think anything of it. You think, I'm never going to meet this person again. Um, But we became kind of modern day pen pals just because of the type of work that he was in. He's driving a tractor every morning at 6 a.m. He is related to everyone that he works with. So he had the time and with the time difference, I had the time as well to really connect um, on a deeper level. So we were just texting back and forth. And he said, when you're in the neighborhood, meaning anywhere in Europe, come see me so our first date was in Florence and then within that weekend we fell in love and lo and behold I'm packing up my studio apartment quit my corporate job left Manhattan and then moved to the Netherlands for love because I fell in love with a Dutch tulip farmer
0: mm. wow that is a that is incredible but the um i mean pasha should do a little story on that like, like they, they, that could be like a whole social media campaign like found love at pasha i love it <laughs> i've never heard that before but it's so amazing how actually like something like that you go back in time and there are so many moments where that could have been avoided that kiss right like oh like this that but it can actually create a whole future which is just incredible and a, a whole brand and, and now a legacy to come with that so very very exciting to hear that um so let, let's go to the beginning first. I, I want to kind of ask a little bit about, you know, your bringing in Australia, and did you have any induced? Do, do you have any like memories of beauty uh, in your first introductions that have stuck with you growing up?
1: That's a really good question. Um, my mum, I mean, we grew up with not much at all. We were in um, housing commission or um, kind of project housing, and mum didn't speak the language. She didn't finish high school. Um, moved to. Australia as a refugee, as I said, and, you know, really worked her way up in terms of working in factories and working at nail salons. Um, finally, she got a gig at the Dior counter and that was like her big breakthrough mm-hmm. because she'd learned English and um, she was bringing home all these beauty products. I loved the colour cosmetics. I, uh, you know, as a little girl, I was playing with them, but I also had severe eczema Um yeah as an Asian kid growing up on a Western diet, it, it doesn't really gel. Um, so, you know, lactose intolerant and, and, what they call atopic. So I'm allergic to everything. I was just that itchy, scratchy kid. And, mm. um, as much as I was passionate about my mum's new career, um, I was also kind of devastated that I couldn't use the products the way I wanted to use them. And I always thought one day when I'm big, when I grow up, I'll, I'll do something in the beauty industry. Um, that doesn't make me feel like a white coat endorsement. And I do love pharma brands. I came from pharma and my background yep. in Australia, I worked in the pharmaceuticals and I always thought there must, there must be a way to compromise the science and the the kind of hard-hitting clinicals of the pharma industry um, and, you know, the trustworthiness, that silent white coat endorsement with, the beauty of you know more prestige beauty products and have that kind of combined. So I've always had that kind of balance of science and nature in mind anyway. And it was coming here to the Netherlands that that I really then understood. Okay, well, I need to do something for myself because I was pregnant and I couldn't use any cortisones or steroids, and I had to go cold turkey. And that was my whole kind of foray into clean beauty.
0: Wow, I love that, and and I think also um, it, it, it's something that. Did you ever at that time, like, imagine yourself, um, you know, from your own personal journey with, you know, skin and beauty? Did you ever, f- like, that would be something you would be, be able to fill in the gap and create your own brand? Or was that something that just happened quite accidentally in that sense?
1: It was always a pipe dream. And I think yeah. that growing up with not much and having your mom sacrifice so much just so you can get an education, have dinner on the table and a roof over your head. You have an appreciation yeah. for hard work. And I think that single-minded goal that I would make her proud and, and do something for myself. And if you know any Chinese, Vietnamese refugee, mm-hmm. um, second-generation refugee kids, we do have that entrepreneurial spirit, whether it's, you know, my cousins own their own laundromat, my other cousins own their own um, nail salon. And I always knew that I was going to do something for myself. I just didn't know what yet.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. So, so so, I know you moved to New York I had a great, like about 10 years experience there working in, in the corporate world for great brands. Um, tell us a little bit about, in a summary, your experience in, in beauty there and, you know, PZ cousins and stuff.
1: Um, I really learned kind of twofold. I was at a smaller company called TPR Holdings and there we were in the business of flipping brands. So yeah. it was before brands were really kind of really focused on M&A. Um, we, yeah. Uh, what we did was we acquired brands that were um, either bankrupt or like distressed in terms of cash flow, and my yeah. role was to repackage, redesign, give them a facelift, reduce the cogs, give them a um, new life. Yeah, no. exactly. Resource the um, the manufacturing because maybe uh, bridges bridges were burnt because of cash flow issues, and then get them back into corporate retail. Um, yeah. So. Then I had the decks, but I also knew kind of how that worked from kind of soup to nuts and yeah. then going and, but that was more entrepreneurial. And then going to PZ Cousins, I learned how to work on heritage brands, um, and, I guess you could call it walk in a straight line when it comes to corporate, and I'm sure with your background you know what that means. (laughs) Um, But I I was allowed to um, have the latitude of developing my own region, which is great because PZ really entrusted me. They're a British company with British brands, uh, but I was the head of the Americas, so I was able to have that latitude to launch in Ulta, to launch in Shoppers Drug Mart, Um, and so I you know really did. establish myself in the kind of beauty retail space and have really good partners.
0: Amazing. So now I would love to know how, um, I know, you You know, you, you met your husband now um, uh, via Pasha, <laughs> um, but then you moved to Netherlands. But tell us a little bit about how Bloom Effects came to be. Like, was it um, like a couple of years into Netherlands? Was it straight away? Let's go balls rolling. Tell us about it.
1: Well, when I first got here, I was in denial, to be honest. Integrating is really hard. Um, And integrating to New York was difficult in that you have to learn the kind of New York way and the hustle and bustle, but culturally more similar, I would say, to Australian culture than like the Dutch culture. I didn't realize because the Dutch are so great at speaking English, I didn't realize how different their culture is just from how direct and honest they are. To mm. the, their love for bikes, you know everything is very uniquely Dutch, um, yes. and so I struggled to be honest. It's quite isolating and and lonely and lonely. Even though everyone speaks English, um, I yeah. still don't speak Dutch. I haven't had the opportunity to to really learn and to integrate and make friends was difficult for me. So. I still spent two weeks in New York and two weeks here for the first two and a half years, to be honest. And I was consulting for beauty brands. Um, And what I did was I was a little bit like Tinder for brands who wanted to crack the United States because I found this gap in the market where people really wanted to leverage the relationships I'd built because of my background and my Rolodex. Um, But I didn't have an opportunity to work here because if I wanted to work back in beauty, I'd have to move to Paris and work at L'Oreal or LVMH. Um, At that time, Coty hadn't moved to Amsterdam yet. And so there wasn't a beauty hub here. Gizu hadn't started. um, And Rituals was the only Dutch company that I could work at that actually is known for being Dutch. And they expected Dutch to to be the first language. So I was consulting, doing my own thing. And as I was being this kind of matchmaker person, I realized, should I be doing something for myself, is this my opportunity? But what do I do, and and how do I do it? It's almost like analysis paralysis when you're in the industry for mm-hmm. so long, and you don't you know how difficult it is and how crowded it is. And I was almost like, this is going to be too hard because I know how much cash you need in terms of capital to start a business. I almost knew too much that I couldn't jump into it right away, um, yeah. and I just kept on saying to Hein. I need to identify white space. I need to identify the opportunity where, you know, it's going to come to me. It's an aha moment. And it, I really need to be passionate about the ingredient story. Um, I want to be able to discover something that no one else has discovered before. And it was Hein that actually said, What about my tulips? That's amazing. And um, we were in the tulip fields and I'm like, well, what's in a tulip? And I started really harassing him about that. And he was like, I'm not sure. Let's ask my dad. Let's ask my granddad. They're all still very active in the farming business. And no one really could tell me what was in a tulip. The only thing they could tell me is that the tulip is one of the only flowers that continues to grow after it's cut. And yeah. that was a real aha moment for me because we've all had that experience of buying a bunch of tulips from a florist. You put it in a vase. The next day, they're flopping over. So that flopping over is not actually flopping over. The stems are elongating and growing. And we're one of mm-hmm. the only vows to do that. So that aha moment was like, okay, let's identify the compounds. Let's let's see what the science is and understanding there's something rich here that I can then you know, take to market.
0: That's amazing. And I think... Really, like, I think it's very important that what you said is, is acknowledged where don't rush into it, making sure you have your authentic why, your, your unique point, uh, because there's a lot of brands out there and a lot of noise out there. And I think um, you shouldn't rush that process. A lot of people um, might, but I think I, I really appreciate the fact that you took some time and also... Um, know you're curious and and I think sometimes you don't even know it's like right in front of you like literally for you it was like your husband had this tulip farm (laughs) but then it's like um those those moments can happen in a really organic and natural way so I would love to know a little bit about um the name bloom effects and how that was decided
1: it actually again came from high and I should give him a lot more credit or at least some equity
0: (laughs) i love it i love it it's like you know uh, i'm sure you know you you support the farm right with all the production and stuff so.
1: exactly and and i've produced one one lovely daughter and another one on the way so.
0: exactly exactly that's the most important exactly
1: um oh, so the reason why bloom effects is really about sustainability um yeah. I know that we talk about sustainability as table stakes and most mm. most companies talk about it in regards to the packaging. And certainly we do our part there. We have or wood tubes. If you feel our t- tubes, they actually are made out of sawdust, upcycled sawdust. We are low plastic and try to use glass where possible, 100% FSC, recycled cardboard um, for our cartons and soy ink. So we do do our part there, but the whole birth of Bloom Effects was really about sustainability and farming practices that the Dutch are known for. Um, and I'm going to bastardise his quote, but so David Anabra talked about Dutch farming practices and how we're so efficient here that we could, one, solve world hunger and, secondly, um, also reduce our carbon footprint dramatically if all farmers practise the way Dutch do. And it's because it's such a tiny, tiny country and the soil is so rich that they've always practised you know, sustainable efforts in regards to agriculture because they've wanted to keep the, the, the soil, you know, of top quality and not make it barren because they don't have the luxury of being like Australia or the United States or Canada where they could just up and move to another paddock or another field. Um, and Bloom Effects is all about the celebration of everything the family grows, not just yeah. tulips, even though... I would say 85, 90 percent of their revenue comes from tulips. They grow Mm -hmm. over 3,000 varieties of different plants, different fruits, different vegetables, different flowers, different like perennials versus bulbs. Um, And the reason why they do that is crop rotation. And it comes down to Mm -hmm. giving back to mother nature and making the soil rest and allowing the soil to regenerate on its own. And my thoughts were, okay, we can lead with tulips. There's a kind of terroir, I don't speak French, but the word terroir, you know, when it comes to tulips in the Netherlands or Bordeaux wine and Bordeaux and champagne and champagne, um, there is that connection, inherent connection with tulips. So from a single-minded marketing perspective, I did want to start off with a single-minded message. And hopefully everyone catches tulip mania or tulip fever 2.0. I'd be really happy if that happens. Um, But second to that, the, the bigger picture is we upcycle, we crop rotate. And the family grows so many varieties of flowers that we can have literally a bouquet or bloom effects, you know, yeah. across, <laughs> across a lot of varieties of different flowers. Um, and we actually started with research. We got government grants to actually dis- discover what the compounds were in the tulip because it would never been done before. And that was all about circularity because the Dutch government have a mandate by 2030 that mm. agriculture will be circular. So we knew that the government grants were available. We had a path to commercialisation literally through the marriage of a beauty executive and a Dutch farmer, which doesn't usually happen. It's quite rare. <laughs> and so they were like, yes, you're granted because we can see that there's waste in the tulip industry because of the way that they've been farming for centuries. And we can see directly, you know, once you've identified the compounds and we worked with the University of Leiden here in the Netherlands to identify the compounds, then we could upcycle the waste. Um, So that was, you know, the kind of upcycling process. We were given the grants, we were given the research, we partnered with University of Leiden. And then I thought, well, it's not going to stop with tulips, you know, because of the crop rotation. We grow so many other plants, you know, we grow crocus, for example, and crocus is the plant for saffron. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of other things that we grow that I knew had an inherent benefit in terms of botanical benefits for the skin. So we've just scratched the surface to answer your question. And Bloom Effects is the flower shop of all
0: the flowers and the plants that we grow. Oh, they, I love it. And and, I, and honestly, so much respect for your philosophy and your your, um, your why. It's exactly the kind of brands that when I hear the story, it's like, no, yeah, do I love your products? And we've really spoken that before the podcast. I've actually, you know, my first introduced it when I went to the Alura store and I bought it myself. And, and then you were so kind to send me uh, a lot more of your products. And I'm, I'm obsessed with the formulas, but more so, I'm more in love with it now because I hear the philosophy and the why and the intention in creating it, um, which I do think is um, a testament to you as a founder. And this is why I've done this podcast, right? It's to hear the founder story because then you get closer and uh, more connected to the brand. So, yeah, Thank really, you. really, I love that. Uh, just have to mention. We'd we'll love for you to explain a little bit about the kind of pro- product portfolio um, for the listeners, kind of paint a picture, be artistic in your terminology, because this is the moment where they can then eventually go in and buy and try. So take it off. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to start off with, I know that you're not supposed to pick your favorites. Do you have this with Fable and Main as well? That you're like, Yeah, it's
0: hard. It's, it's like hard. Ch- picking
1: between children, right?
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but sometimes, let's be honest, we're human, we have favorites. I mean, they can change but depending on our time and need and where we are, but it's okay to have favorites sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, my, my hero and our bestseller is our yep. Royal of Nectar. And it is a little intimidating at first when you open the jar, it looks like a little pot of honey and it can yep. look like either, um, natural separation does occur with this. So it can look like sometimes a chunky marmalade or smooth honey, depending on the weather. It comes with yep. a really cute little tulip spatula.
0: Yeah. Um, the copper one. And it's, then, like, it's like, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah.
1: And you just stir and there's something really, I don't know, mesmerizing and quiet. Um, I don't, I just feel like it's a Zen moment, like a, this is my self-care. As soon as I start stirring, and I'm stirring right away for for those people that are listening, um, I just start getting mesmerized by the texture and it does look good enough to eat. Don't eat it. <laughs> and this is my salve. This is my skin salve, salve um, 101. I use this everywhere and anywhere. I feel itchy, dry, scratchy, uncomfortable. Like I said, when I was developing the line, I was pregnant for the first time and I was a cortisone kid, um, grew up on topical steroids and have a lot of thinning in the skin. Um, And so I was withdrawing from the topical, topical steroids. And if anyone's gone through that process, it is very challenging. And when you're pregnant as well, your skin is all stretchy and you're really rashy and itchy. Couldn't use anything on my face. And I was very conscious of that. And when you, all, your body's changing so much when you're pregnant, you're already so self conscious. And then your eczema is flaring up as well. I was just having a really bad time with my skin and my self confidence. And the nectar, the lab samples of the nectar really saved my skin. I was so addicted to the lab samples. I was calling the lab up saying, Can you send me more? Can you send me more? And what I love about it is it's extremely occlusive. And protective, um, and all that means is that it's creating, you know, a moisture barrier, keeping all the yeah. good stuff in, and also keeping all the bad stuff out as well. Because your barrier is yeah. so compromised when you have eczema, you know, you literally have like open wounds. Um, but mm. what I do love is that when you massage it in your fingertips, that kind of marmalade, honey jam, whatever you want to call it, it's we call it nectar. It does yep. melt into a very rich serum. So for those mm-hmm. of you that don't have problematic skin, you can still use it because it will plump your skin, hydrate your skin, give you a really nice moisture barrier. Um, it has occlusive emollient and humectant benefits, um, You know, rich, full of botanicals. And then you wake up with glowing skin. So you could be an eczema girl like me, or you could just be looking for kind of that date night ready plumpness. Um, yep. And anywhere in between, the nectar is really that product that you can use. Slap it on your face for 20 minutes, wipe it off, sleep in yep. it, you know, put it head to toe. Um, any excess you can use anywhere you're dry and uncomfortable. Um, my daughter uses it as a lip balm and she's two and a half years old.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, you can really use it any way you want to use it. And that's why I love it so much. So, that's my desert island. Yep. And then most recently, we launched an SPF. Um, I'm really proud of
0: this
1: (laughs) because, as you know, from the corporate side, SPFs are just so hard in the U.S. because they're considered a drug. And so you're dealing with the FDA, you know, you've got the drug facts box on the carton, and then if you want to launch in Australia, you're dealing with the TGA, Canada, it's Health Canada. You've got all of these claims, a lot of development, um, and it's really hard to be credo clean and compliant as well as getting something that um, works for skin tones like mine or deeper. Um, So for people of color, generally, we do like the idea of mineral, but we don't like the look of it on our face. So I worked really hard to try to minimize the white cast. And look, it is zinc-based, so zinc by nature is white. Um, And zinc is also really drying as well. So, again, eczema sufferer, I didn't make it easy for myself. Egma sufferer, I've got dry skin. I needed to be clean because of my retail distribution and also the stance that we have in terms of our brand. So it had to be mineral, but I'm a person of color, so I didn't want the white cast. So um, we were able to climb that Everest, and I'm really happy to say that um, our SPF serum is actually our new bestseller. So um,
0: it is outranked.
1: It has outranked nectar um, over the last two months, and we were the number one SPF brand at launch at Credo.
0: That, I mean, I have to say, like most founders I, I know personally speak to, they tell me run away from SPF, or if they say like, you know, if someone says they're making SPF, they're like, "Are you crazy?" Like SPF is one of the hardest things to do. So the fact that you've mastered it exactly with all the elements you've said, and it's already a bestseller, and I believe it because I am checking the reviews right now. I mean, I don't think I can see one non five star. I mean, it's quite weird. It's everything. is amazing. <laughs> Normally you see that odd one star, right? And you're like, Oh, what's that one? But it's incredible. And cause um, SPF is tough. Were you nervous when you were about to create SPF?
1: I was really nervous, but this is where my corporate background did really kick exactly. in. Exactly.
0: I was about to say,
1: because, um, you know, we do have to rely as indie brands, unless you're making it at home or in, yeah. you know, you're uh, a founder like Tata Harper, who has a facility on, on their site. We have a functioning farm, but that business stands alone. And I have to say that Heinz business is what puts dinner on the table. It's not my business Um, and and pays for the mortgage. So his farm is fully functional. I think that's really what sets us apart by other farm or field stories that um, have Mm. turned into beauty brands. We have a fully functioning farm that already had waste product that we are truly upcycling. And then I can control the raw material all the way down the supply chain, all the way to on shelf. Um, but in terms of the SPF, I was able to work with the best contract manufacturers because of my corporate experience. Um, I, I know, you know, the responsible person in Europe. Um, all of these technical things that it's it's a lot of admin and filling out forms, but because of my corporate experience, I've got that background in in PD and regs. So I was able to navigate that quite quickly and ask the right questions. And also avoid the markets where I knew that it would be cost prohibitive. So unfortunately, it's not available in Canada because Canada yeah. asks has, regulations. For a din- has a yeah. regulation and a DIN number and it's very costly. So Canadians out there, if you want it, please ask for it. And I can put a commercial P&L together to make sure that it's viable to launch in that country. But. Again, I think that's the balance of me being an entrepreneur and truly passionate, but also being a realist when it comes to what's going to make, sh- like, you know, make a profitable um, business and a healthy P&L.
0: Yeah, fully agree. And, and I think um, one thing you said, which I think is really important, again, just to go and reiterate that is past experiences really do matter. I think, you know, what you learn in the past... Um, when you're in a corporate world, be curious, like try things, learn things. You never know where it will help in the future. I can tell you that when I was um, when I was at Dior, I was obviously boxing in a, in a division, which was like influencer social media. But I would like take lunch meetings with the CRM team. and be like, can you just teach me about emails? I'll teach you about influencers, but you teach me about emails. Or, you know, wherever it would be in the finance. And people used to get a bit annoyed. They were like, why are you learning everything? I'm like, I just want to know. Because I did you know the pipe dream was to create my own brand. The timing wouldn't, I didn't know when. But thank God I did, because today I'm like, not only do I have those relationships, like sometimes I'll call like my ex-DO employees and I'll be like, hey, can you do like a Zoom chat with my team on Google Analytics? And they are like, sure. You know, just because I've made those connections and friendships, but um, either it is in your job or something you want to maybe try to learn and do can really help. Um, So you've literally proven that where you can accelerate things, you can, you know, Definitely avoid potential uh, mishaps or little mistakes by just having that experience from the past and remembering it and using it to your advantage. So I love that. Um, I
1: think yeah. it's it's really about like the technical knowledge is like having the mm. tools in the toolbox, and yeah. and you can have as many tools as you want in the toolbox. But building that dream house, so to speak, if we're using that analogy, um, mm. does take passion. So it is a combination for me. Is yep, you've got the right tools in the toolbox. But then you saw an opportunity and a gap in the market um, for ancient heritage, you know, hair products um, that celebrates your culture. And, you know, I, as an expat here, saw an opportunity to celebrate uh, a royal flower that's been a symbol of Dutch culture for centuries. If Mm. If you talk to a Wall Street person, they'll say, oh, yeah. It started the first economic crisis or the the first bubble, um, which was tulip mania. Or you speak to, you know, someone down the street and they say tulips are my favourite flower. Everyone has a story or connection with tulips and it does link back to the Netherlands. It's not my heritage and culture, but I'm learning it. Um, So I think I can appreciate the beauty of it with eyes wide open um, rather than taking it for granted, which I think the Dutch maybe do because they have beautiful tulips around all the time.
0: Yeah. And that's very true. So, so, I mean, one thing I would love to know a little bit is about sort of the future for BloomFX. Um, where do you see it heading? Um, can you, is anything you can share with us um, that is on the horizon?
1: Um, the future of BloomFX, I would like to see us um, certainly in a major retailer. Um, we have incredible retail distribution currently um, in specialty department stores, um, but I would like to see us in specialty beauty. Um, so if, if you're listening... <laughs> um, please give us a call. And, um, the other thing that I'd like to see is just a more rounded, um, like regimen. So unfortunately, or fortunately, I've really developed products for my own skin needs. Um, I'm just about to turn 40. So I do think about my fine lines and wrinkles. I've also got, um, eczema as we've talked about. So a lot of the products are about hydration and that is, the cornerstone of good skin for anyone, but we don't really have products that talk to other skin concerns and skin types because I've developed things purely for my own personal need. And so I have to recognize that our customer base is growing and not everyone is like me. So that's in the, in the short to medium term, I think we can round out our assortment to really talk to other concerns and other consumers. Um, that aren't necessarily, you know, the same skin type as me. And then, yeah, I think that that retail distribution will really get more eyeballs on the brand and hopefully everyone will catch tulip fever.
0: I love that. I mean, definitely, I know there's a huge need for it. I've personally never seen a beauty brand that's like really giving an homage to this incredible ingredient that I've, I've learned a lot by doing, doing my research. Um, and, uh, it's exciting as well, just to know the whole story behind it, right? Like the fact that it's a family, like the family farm with your husband and, um, there's a lot of love and soul that honestly people can really feel when they just even touch the packaging. Um, Quick one on that. Who came up with the packaging? Because I'm obsessed with your, 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 your obviously your, your, your vessels, but your outer packaging, the carton is so beautiful. It's like a piece of art. I didn't want to throw it away Thank when I, I got it.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I did. And actually, uh, the creative designer that um, designed all our original packaging, I met on Facebook. Um, in one of those, one of those little marketing communities that, that you set up, you know, in Facebook where it's, you know, you're, you've got beauty in those closed groups on Facebook that you can just join. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but Coco, if you're listening, thank you so much for helping me. Um, I'm always indebted to you. The, the, the idea again is Heinz because we're at the Rijksmuseum and he said, you know, those tulip murals that, that are really famous in the Rembrandt era. Um, and it's you you've seen it before. It's the the one vase with, you know, a bunch of wild tulips, yeah. the stripey tulips. Yeah. So yeah. that was the inspiration. However, I didn't want it to be very goth and dark. I wanted it to be mm. light and bright and joyful. Um, because I think that literally giving a bunch of flowers to someone is the most joyful thing that you could possibly do. It doesn't have any other purpose, but you know, you, you, you bring a cake, a box of chocolates, whatever gift you give someone, um, yep. it always has a functional purpose. But tulips really don't. You just enjoy yep. them and you enjoy, the, you enjoy the beauty. So that joyous nature of, of tulips, I wanted to really sing from the cartons. Um, the primaries are more subdued and more neutral because I understand everyone's a good shelfie and everyone needs their vanity aesthetic to be a certain way. So we, we went with the blue. But for the cartons, yeah. we really celebrated, one, the Dutch heritage and the joyness of, of tulips. So they're all hand-drawn. Um, I commissioned yeah. a, a local artist in New York. He drew them. Um, and yeah, they're a modern-day version of a Rembrandt tulip mural.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And I mean, yeah, that painting from Rembrandt, I mean, I used to study art and um, in my high school. Um, but I was really into painting. I used to go to all the music, you know, travel all around the world, doing all the kind of this typical thing where you go to museums, you sit on the floor and you paint. Um, I know you. you did you, you studied? Uh, am I right in thinking you studied art and business marketing or something at university? I did.
1: I studied arts, um, but within arts, um, I majored yeah. in behavioural uh, studies, and wow. then I did marketing as well. Um, so, Monash alum That's in Australia.
0: <laughs> oh, wow! Amazing. Very cool. No, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw the packaging and it does remind me of Rembrandt, but in a very modern way, it's it's very cool. Um, yeah, I love it. And uh, what a great way to emerge tulips. So, yeah. Yes.
1: Um, and we're, we're the first to answer your question. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we are the first to discover the, the power of the tulip and that research was done with the University of Leiden. And mm. we have published, you know, a lot of different, you know, information papers and reports and information and worked with Leiden um, and the press have been phenomenal in supporting, you know, this tool of breakthrough technology, um, especially Allure, since you brought them up. Um, yeah. The beauty director of Allure came over uh, when we were launching to the fields, experienced the fields, um, and we've had a lot of editors in the field since then. So I welcome you or anyone listening if you're in the Netherlands during April, because it really is fleeting beauty and science. They only bloom for two and a half weeks a year. So you have to be here during April around that Easter break, um, DM us, email us book in it is private property and the farmers, it is their livelihood. So you must make an appointment Um, and we can take you through the tulip fields. You can follow with me and my daughter through the fields
0: so i'm gonna book that i'm gonna support and uh, april count me in i definitely want to come so that'll be a good moment um for me to also if we don't meet beforehand it'll be a great moment to meet as well so you've I love told that. me on i'm that.
1: gonna i'm gonna hold I'm gonna you to, to that and i expect Yeah. no
0: attention. no no. no. I, i'm literally i'm literally going to write um to my team and say block this uh, april just make sure we will we'll talk after and i'm gonna arrange this because i'm i'm and um, personally, just, uh, it'll be one of the most amazing things to see this. And, and I remember when I was at Dior, I used to go to some of the harvests we used to do for jasmine and stuff. And there's something so grounding and like uplifting about a harvest season. So for me, I've never seen something like that with tulips. I know Amsterdam or um, like Netherlands is, a, is the largest producer of tulips, right? Yeah, um, so 95% know place to it. Percent,
1: yeah. 90. of the world's production of tulips come here. Which and is the, the other 5% come, originate from Dutch bulbs. So wow. that's that's a huge part of our business. We export bulbs around the world. So you you might be buying your tulips from Trader Joe's, for example, but they're probably yeah. Dutch Dutch bulbs.
0: Which is because oh, I, I remember reading like the the origins of tulips were in like Kyrgyzstan or something like. I mean, it's it's in Central Asia, but then Amsterdam is where like oh well, not Amsterdam. I'm mean, like a um, Netherlands. The is very where, first
1: tulips came yeah. from Turkey.
0: Oh, from Turkey? Oh. Yes.
1: That's amazing. They were brought here to the Netherlands, but it's the combination of the climate here as well Mm. as the Dutch um, kind of um, technology of farming. They're just very, very good farmers. And the mix of soil here, that it's clay and sand, um, meant that it was a perfect climate and you don't get really hot winter, sorry, hot summers, you don't get really cold winters. And they're very thirsty as well, so they didn't thrive in Turkey because it doesn't rain enough. And as you know, I mean, I know the Brits always complain about London weather, but it's pretty grey and and wet here too in the Netherlands. And the good thing about um, the way that we can irrigate is that we water from underneath. So again, that terroir, like why do tulips grow here? It's because the climate, the soil, but also we water from underneath using the canal system. So everything Um. is connected to Dutch heritage. And when you think of the Netherlands, you think of, you know, windmills and you think of canals yeah. and cheese and tulips. And, but, and, and it's, it's a cliche for a reason.
0: A, and it's such a circular system, right? It's all connected and it's so sustainable. And, and when you think of Netherlands, you think sustainability at the core heart anyway. But I love that. It's such a system. It's, it's really cool. Well,
1: they really are the healthiest people in the world. They're the tallest people in the world. Um, yeah. They ride their bikes everywhere. Probably the
0: most fit. Yeah, with the bicycles. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they are the tallest people in the world. They're um, The children are voted the happiest children in the world. Yeah. Um, so there is a lot of, when we talk of, you know, especially in our space about health and well being, mm. there's a lot of heritage here that as an expat, I discovered, and I'm really happy to be able to bring that and integrate that heritage into our brand, because I believe that just because you're a new brand doesn't mean that you can't celebrate heritage, just like with your right. brand, you celebrate right. culture and heritage um, that is important to you as a person. And I think I'm discovering this as an expat, you know, through my husband and through my kids, that I can really... Um, you know, celebrate this new culture in a, in a mm. new way. Because sometimes when you've been part of the culture, you don't appreciate what you have in front of you. And as a, as a newcomer and trying to integrate, yeah. I really do appreciate what we have here.
0: Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's actually very true. I didn't think about all the... I, I, I kind of wish I was Dutch. There's a lot of benefits. <laughs> but you're lucky you live there now. I'm jealous. Um, definitely, I can see it. But every time I go there, I'm like, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, I mean, I, I don't see anyone who moves to Amsterdam, for example, and doesn't regret it. So, um, yeah, it's a, very, it's a beautiful place. Um, but I'm going to now go to... Well, I was gonna, I'm going to go to fire round questions because I was going to ask you my desert island question, but I think we already know the answer. So, I mean, if you were going to come to a founded beauty island... It's the nectar you're taking, right?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't want to be Wouldn't itching especially it in front of everyone else. So yeah, <laughs> this exactly. would be a... the nectar. I yeah. Love
0: that. And I love the fact that you have a you have a mini size too, which is perfect so for if you need to like go just easily on the go, you have like the thirty ml, right? So that's perfect.
1: Yes, we just launched that actually two days ago. Um yeah. and- Eva's uh, my daughter's all over social medias that like we did a mommy and me kind of campaign
0: oh i love <laughs> that that is so cool that's actually, yeah super cute oh i can't wait to see that um but yeah very, um it's it's good when you have a hero skew it's really cool to have different sizes and it just it's like the family increases of that skew it's pretty exciting isn't it um but yeah um okay so now five round question first mm-hmm. thing that comes to your mind so the first question is what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving
1: Apart from fable, main. Um, Apart from
0: main, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I would have to say Emily and he- uh, Emily Heath. Um She's yeah. a good. Yeah, she's a good friend. She, she's
0: coming on the pod. Um, Is she? Uh, yeah, oh she's actually goodness. meant to record yesterday, but there was there was a mishap with timing, so we're actually rescheduling it. But she's coming on, so definitely send her a message.
1: Yeah. I I just love how amazingly like open and warm and everything that you said at the start of the podcast about, you know, an opportunity to meet and network with founders. Emily met me and DM'd me. She had coffee with me, had so much advice. You know, Uh, we we help each other all the time. I love her brand. I'm a nail girl. Like I my mom worked in nail salons. Um you know, I don't know if you know any Chinese Vietnamese girls that don't have good nails. It's, it's <laughs> kind of say. a it's kind of but a they, thing. Um, yeah. And so I I love her products. They're great quality. They're so upscale and and chic um, and sophisticated. And the formulas and the colors and the pigments are incredible. But just her as a person, she's just so much fun and they're full of energy um I need to have a Red Bull before I see her because
0: I can't <laughs> <laughs> good tip before I record with her I'm gonna have a Red Bull then <laughs> yeah
1: <exactly. laughs> I'm excited
0: um, uh, but I, I just cool I really
1: love her
0: oh it's amazing well I'll tell her secretly I'll say hey um you know kim said that you're her favorite brand so i'm going to make sure she says that you're her favorite brand too <laughs> <Yeah. We've
1: laughs> she should have it. It. i'm
0: sure i'm sure she will i'm sure she will um, <laughs> she she that. does <laughs>
1: love the dew drops and i know she loves the nectar too And she uses our cleansing jelly a lot too she's an influencer as well as a makeup artist so she's always exactly. you know, putting makeup yeah. on and doing looks um and we've supported each other during may which is um AAP our month so exactly. um i was oh. actually able to get I think 16 founders together um, and we did a giveaway and I I think you did the same with, with your beautiful box. I saw that
0: recipe and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, next year we should all do something all bigger, bigger together because it was like um, when we all come together, I think we can make a bigger impact. So let's all get in touch for next year. It'll be really fun.
1: I love that or oh, we could just all cook and have a really big face.
0: Yeah. And that's also the thing is it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, products and stuff, it's fine. We'll do that. But I think just come together and just connect. is so important. Um, and like maybe a it in advance, cause we're all over the world. We can all meet in one place. Maybe I'll actually make the founded beauty Island thing, and we'll all just come to an Island and just have a little retreat. That'd be so fun. I love
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll make it happen. Um, my next question, what's a guilty pleasure of yours?
1: Guilty pleasure is doing nothing. There's this, <laughs> there's this term in Dutch and it's called Nixon. Yeah. Nixon. Um, and it's a whole thing now. Like um, I know with Scandinavian design, there was, um, uh, what was that term? Huggy higgy? I don't know what it was. But um, now with the Dutch, they're using Nixon as, as a like um, architectural term and in, um, an interior design term. And Nixon literally means the art of doing nothing. And coming here, I didn't really get Nixon because as a Aussie slash New Yorker, Aussies are kind of, you know, we party hard, we're we're jack of all trades, we're, you know, all over the place. And then in New York, you're hustle and bustle and kind of in the rat race Um, to come here and realize that Nixon is such a big part of the culture. And literally, I mean, do nothing and appreciate that nothingness Um, and whether it's your version of meditation or not, I, I feel like meditation sometimes has a connotation of you have to do it right, you have to be in the right pose, you have to be in the right mindset. But with Nixon, it's just just do nothing, just enjoy the nothingness, and it helps you um, collect yourself um, and really kind of reset. And so I try to practice Nixon as much as I can.
0: Nixon, I'm going to research that. That's really important. I like that. When N I
1: N I N I K. Um,
0: N-I-K-I-N. Nix. Nix. N-I-K-I-N. Nixon.
1: Sorry. N-I-K-S-E-N.
0: S-E-N. Nixon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Dutch concept of doing nothing. I love yep. it. That's so cool. There's even a book about it by Caroline. There's,
1: lots of, there's lots of books. And whether you take the self-care angle um, mm. and the wellness angle, or you put it oh. in design, furniture, the way you design your house, you That's, know, yeah, I guess it's like with the, the chair Dutch way. On it.
0: I love yeah. That. yeah. So
1: then a lot I mean, there's of there is one also designers- with
0: a, a chubby cat that looks like <laughs> the one I want to read. It's
1: That's just me. Sitting there. <laughs> in
0: the just like he's with the belly open. It's like, "Hello. I love that." So
1: any time <laughs> where someone's like, "You're not doing anything. You know, stop cycling." You're like, "No, I'm practicing Nixon." I
0: love it. I love it. That's great. Okay. I'm actually going to buy some books on that. That's so cool. cuz I need to do Nixon. My problem is I can't do nothing, and I think it's so important to do nothing. So this is great. It's and it's
1: hard because I mean, yeah. I'm usually the person that's on my laptop, on my phone, mm-hmm. watching TV, and also yeah. trying to eat a meal all at the same time. And if I'm on a conference call, you know, it's really hard for me. I do have ADHD. And so I'm usually using multiple devices and trying to have a conversation and try to eat or walk or do something all at the same time. So to practice Nixon takes discipline, um, but it's important for, for your mental health.
0: Very, very true. Love that nixon everyone remember that <laughs> uh, my, my next question is what are you currently watching or reading
1: oh i'm watching the new lord of Ring. i think everyone's gonna answer this
0: right i need to watch it is it is it because i've heard some like I, i'm gonna love it and i'm gonna watch it I'm, I'm really annoyed i saw like whoopi good whoopi goldberg did like um, a comment about it because there's some like negative comments about wokeness and stuff and it's like it's just, it's made up anyway, like chill. But um, apparently like this. Yeah, I've like, there's, seen, yeah, and, yeah, I've seen a lot of like, backlash. Why is, there, why is there people, why is there elves of color and stuff? It's like, come on. like elves. Know, like, yeah, the whole they're thing elves. It well, they could be anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is make-believe. And I do Literally. think that it's good that the cast is more diverse. 100%, um, yeah. Uh, you know, just as a mother. And mm. I didn't realize how important it was to me growing up. But thinking back, the only person that looked like me or relatively kind of in the same realm would be Lucy Lou that I can think of.
0: Yeah. That you would, Charlie's you know, dangerous. when
1: I, yeah, yeah I was yeah. B- born in the early eighties and in Australia, no one like home and away neighbors, yeah, yeah, no yeah. one's, no one's Asian. So, yeah. you know, growing up now, I'm just happy that I've got two young girls who can watch media and TV and go, Even, Oh, okay.
0: Exactly. There's people that
1: look like me. Is and I think it's so
0: important. And, 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 you know, even translating that to business, like for us in the beauty industry, I mean, I can tell you growing up, there was CEOs all, you know, typical old white men. I hate that phrase, but it's a, it's a reality, sadly. Um, and there wasn't really um like you know founders that are of color or, or, or even like um I would say like um models being put into these billboards right of these beauty campaigns and uh it's really cool for us to be like building our own brand and deciding like I put me and my sister in the face of most of the campaigns because I'm like how cool would it be to show like I saw
1: that at the tube
0: you know? yeah exactly yeah, and I was like that was this is the moment like I can put it like I no one else can tell me and then hopefully I can you know inspire many others and, and also as siblings as well right because that's also important so yeah and as, I, a, I think star- it's very and as
1: a startup it's your free talent so Exactly. I, I was about to say
0: I don't have to pay any usage rights to myself, so it's all good. <laughs> that's that's secretly the main reason. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It does help. It does help. Um, but yeah, it's so true, and that's very true. What you said about also for the children and and you know people um, to just be represented. It's it's a, super nice. But cool. So I to want answer to answer your question,
1: Lord of, of the, the Rings. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. it, and I I'm all for the diversity. And um, yeah, it's fantasy. So just just fantasize people can be Love purple it. green and blue i mean they have pointy ears
0: exactly <laughs> we don't complain about that do we So exactly so true my next question is do you have a favorite social media platform right now
1: um in terms of uh like, like your the usage
0: yeah instagram whatsapp linkedin Instagram, tiktok whatever what's your favorite correct uh,
1: i'm a diehard tiktok fan and i hate to admit it and every time that for the for the older generation on TikTok that sound um that yeah. comes on I cringe because they're all like you know ninety two <laughs> ninety two, ninety-three. And I'm like, what about yeah. the eighty <laughs> three? I was born in eighty three. I'm almost forty. Um but I'm loving TikTok because I get a good the algorithm just knows me so well. So I get all just mom get hacks, content. cleaning hacks, Amazon hacks, lots of beauty, lots of founders. Um and it has an ability of, to ne- connect people on a real level. Um, I mm-hmm. think with Instagram, you see this kind of filtered or facetuned version of everyone's reality, but everyone's mm-hmm. like knowing that TikTok is more raw. And yep. Indy Lee, an incredible founder, um, yep. I, I followed her and then she followed me on TikTok and we DM'd. And I'm like, number one, people are going to say we're too old for this platform, but number two, I'm so happy to create a friend a fellow founder friend, you know, through TikTok. Who would have thought? Yeah. So then, from there, we, you know, started having calls, and you know, we're going to meet up. So, and I'm just such a fan of what indy has created. I think she's a pioneer in the clean beauty space.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really. I definitely want to get um, her on the pod as well because I love the brand, and I think uh, I remember seeing it on once on beauty. I, think, I don't know where I first saw it, with the packaging and everything—it's it, beautiful. Clean beauty. Um, my next question is, do you have a favorite quote or mantra?
1: I think close enough is good enough.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Is an interesting one.
0: That's a and, really good one, you know. I love that.
1: And people are going to think, oh, that means that Kim is lazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it I
0: means always, you're not over. You're, it Just for me, it means like you're not, you know, it's okay. You're giving worth to yourself as well. Like, you know, I think we have this idea of it needs to be perfect and this and that, but there is a celebratory moment of like, just, you know, trying and, and getting as far as we can in the moment. And I think it's important to acknowledge those, those successes that we have no matter what they end up being. It's
1: exactly. Enough, it's good enough. And, and I think being okay with that, being okay with, um, you know, I've done a lot of those aptitude tests and where I do yeah. Excel is, um, abstract reasoning. Um, and supposedly if you listen to my Briggs, you know, you have a certain, you know, personality traits that say that you're the next CEO, right? You know, ENTJ, yes, I'm an ENTJ, but where CEOs and founders excel is in that gray space. And it's in that space where there is no right answer. And most of the time there is no right answer. And sometimes close enough is good enough needs to be the case. And, um, it is completely opposite to what we're taught as well. When we're taught in, you know, elementary, in high school that, you know, perfection, quality, always give 110%, always need to over deliver. Sometimes that extra 5 or 6% in output um, doesn't correlate to 5 or 6% in the result. And so you're, you know, you're pushing so much to get that perfection and then you're disappointed in yourself and you get into this toxic cycle of being upset and disappointed and I can I can never get it perfect. And then you procrastinate and then you get into the cycle of not getting it done. For me, I'm really great at execution. I'm an A to Z type person. Let's just roll up our sleeves and get shit done. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, you can learn from your mistakes. So, yes, close enough is good enough is, is mm-hmm. a mantra that I, I do hold close to my heart and I defend it. Um, yeah. but also continuous improvement. And so those two things combined, make, I think an entrepreneur because we realize there is beauty in the gray, there is compromise that needs to be made. and not everything's going to be perfect. but if you continuously improve and you learn from your mistakes, that's what's going to keep you going. And I think that grit and that sing- like that single mindedness to success, is very important because there there are a lot of shitty days and there are a lot of days where you just want to go oh do i quit do i do i throw the towel in but the next day you brush yourself off you know you pick yourself up again you continuously improve you have that grip you have the intestinal fortitude to keep on going and you realize hey yesterday yeah close enough was good enough
0: yep love that no thank you i mean such uh those two things together, also, I think, is important. I think that's why I love this like hybrid mantras because they all like puzzle together. You know, uh, sometimes one is not enough. You got to like think about different things. And I love that. But my last question um, is: I'm, I'm always curious to know people's answers on this because it's kind of like a reminder of as well where we could end up being, or because um, the life is full of reinvention. But um, if you weren't currently a beauty entrepreneur, you know, building Bloom Effects, what would Kim be doing right now?
1: I would be busy making a hand and an eyeball and an ear because oh. <laughs> oh, so
0: cute. I'm,
1: I'm seven months <laughs> pregnant. And, um, yeah, I would be focusing on on what's happening inside my belly right now. Wow. Um, and, and I guess what they call nesting and all of that. Um, yeah, I learned through the first, um, through my first daughter that they're yeah. so little for such a short amount of time. So, mm. Um, you know that is such a ch- like special moment that you should really cherish because you blink your eyes and then they're yeah. you know a toddler and then you blink again and I 'm sure you know they're at school and then you blink again and they're teenagers so um, yeah. for me that 's what I would be doing, but yeah. <laughs> i don 't really have time to focus on the fact that i 've got something in my belly i 'm just got to keep on going
0: love 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 oh, amazing well. Kim, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I'm just excited now for our continued friendship. I'm going to come in April to visit um, I the, can't the, the wait. Tulip farms. It's going to be amazing, but we'll, we'll meet beforehand. How are
1: your attracted driving skills? Because we're going to put you on a tractor. <laughs> mm,
0: amazing. No, okay. I'll be honest. Like I'm one of those people that like passed their driving test like, 10 years ago and then have driven like i shouldn't say this like 10 times since then just because i've been i've been in the cities like london paris it's just i haven't had a chance to really drive but i am i am good like
1: okay I we're gonna drive. put you we're gonna put you to the test we're
0: gonna put you on we're a track test. Yep. i'll be fine i'll be fine <laughs> I'm, I'm down um but yeah it's uh, honestly like well, we're gonna stay connected but i would love everyone to be able to still connect and follow you and obviously bloom effect so what is um the socials for your own personal but also bloom effect
1: um, Kimmy Van Haster with an I, um, and please follow Bloom Effects. It's just Bloom Effects um, at um, on Instagram, on TikTok. If you want to see kind of the fields and everything that we do on the farm, well, make sure you follow us on TikTok. Obviously LinkedIn. Yeah, it's it's just Bloom Effects.
0: Amazing. Well, I'll put all the links in the summary below, and um, we'll, we'll we'll just be in touch. So it's not a goodbye. It's until uh, next. See time. you soon. See you. Thank soon. you so much.